Hi, friends. Welcome to Break the Ice podcast, where the illusions covering our evolution are shattered, bringing together amazing guests and episode dialogue that dive deep into what it means to live a life of self-agency and harnessing the power of a decisive heart. Our topics range from stories around leadership, sales, business, entrepreneurship, heart, soul, and health. So get ready to be educated, encouraged, and inspired. Thank you all. I love you all. All right, guys, I am super, super excited to introduce my guest today, Larry Levine. This guy is seriously like a hero of mine. So this, this makes a very special episode for me. Um, everything that Larry stands for, he has had a, a long, successful career in the sales industry, number one. And now he's able in his life to bring to market this platform, Selling from the Heart, and this mission that he's on. Um, actually, it's a bit of a crusade, if you will, because he's now able to be a catalyst for the sales industry and make the necessary changes in the shift in the thinking and the mindset of this industry as a whole. And so he has a podcast, Selling from the Heart podcast, where he co-hosts with Daryl Amy, and it is a fantastic show. It is full of education, inspiration, encouragement, and a lot of fun. And whether you're not in the, whether you're in the sales industry or you're just like an entrepreneur or you're a business or you're a leader in business, there's a lot of stuff in there that can transcend right through the modalities that are super critical in business today. Uh, also, he's a published author. So his book, Selling from the Heart, is a fantastic book. I read the book. There is a lot of truth in the pages in that book. Um, very, very just really realistic. It's so true to life and it goes really deep into the meaning of the sales profession because without sales, there really is no business. So it's such a crucial component to business that sometimes I think it's been neglected and it's been overlooked at how just how important it is to every interaction because sales is the front line. They're bringing in the clients and and they've got to thread it from the first piece of marketing or the first cold call all the way into enrollment. And then that's where the relationship begins. And that's what Larry's big focus is, is sustaining those relationships. So totally excited. Larry, welcome, my friend. Um, and I will let you kind of give a little bit of background <laughs> after my introduction and tell us a little bit more about your platform, Selling for the Heart. It's so cool. So cool to hang out. First time, right? I mean, we communicate so much on social that I feel we already know each other. So it's such a treat to hop on your show. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, it, I'm going to share a story really quick because I think it'll help. I'm going to take your listeners back in time. And I think it'll really help uncover and unpack where Selling from the Heart really started. And I spent 28, almost 29 years in the Office Technology Channel, all in Los Angeles Marketplace. So, I mean, just cut into the chase. I sold copiers my whole life. And I always say it's one of the most dysfunctional, backwards, broken dreams, busted promises, high turnover, race to the bottom industry that I know of. But I say rightfully so because salespeople and the leaders in that industry have turned it into that. And I started right out of college. 
it was my very first job. I graduated college. I had a couple of degrees. I knew I wanted to get into sales, but I didn't have the experience. So I kind of found my way and fell into selling copiers. And it was the worst first year I ever had. But I learned something along the way. And, and this is what I always share with people is I want people to be cognizant of their surroundings. And that's what I was. I was in a very dysfunctional sales bullpen my very first year, but I was I was listening. I wasn't eavesdropping on the conversations, but I was aware. I was listening to what was going on. I was seeing what they were doing. I was listening to what they were saying. And it was the worst first year I ever had. I had to make 50 cold calls a day. I couldn't come back to the office till I had 50 cards and then I'd turn around and use the phone. And as I started to develop, right, and, and it took me a little bit, it was probably three or four months before I made my first sale. But once I started to bring on new customers, I started to ask them questions. And maybe it was a product, Jennifer, how I was raised, but I was very inquisitive and I, and I held myself to a higher degree of accountability than anybody else did. I, my first sales manager was just a complete, just epitome of all old school sales managers. And I really wasn't learning from them. So I said, you know what? I remember as a kid asking my parents for help all the time. And they would walk me through it, right? They'd make me think, but they'd make, they'd actually make me, they would hold my hand and walk me through the issue. So then I took that approach and I said, what would happen if I started to ask my customers for help? With a curious mindset, what would happen? And so the, I remember, I remember this as plain as day. I was in my early 20s and I started to ask these people, what do you like and don't like about copier salespeople? Because that's what I was at the time. And they just gave me all kinds of, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And before I knew it, Jennifer, in a very short period of time, the laundry list of what they didn't like far exceeded what they liked. Now, I'm no rocket scientist. I grew up with a dad who was a rocket scientist. And I said, you know what? Why don't I just do the complete polar opposite of what all the bad things they told me? That's what I did. It was that simple. But I took it one step farther. Now, keep in mind, I grew up in a really Jewish neurotic household. So I, I say that with all kindness and love for my parents. But if anyone knows anything about Jewish households, they like to meddle and they overthink things and they're coddlers and they take real good care. That's just, that's just how my parents were and my grandparents. But I learned that relationships mattered. We had this tight kinship and relationships mattered. And then we talked smack about everybody. <laughs> but I took all of that and I said, you know what? If I do the complete polar opposite of everybody in sales and I take how I was raised where relationships matter, what happens if I brought love, caring, respect and compassion to my customers? What would happen in a world where that doesn't exist? Now I'm, I'm taking you back to like the late eighties okay. and that's what I did. It was that simple. And I always, I, I tell people all the time, I wasn't the smartest sales guy out there. I wasn't the most strategic. But what I really did really, really well, better than anybody else, in my opinion, is I brought care, love, respect, and compassion to my customers that they've never seen before. And in turn, they took care of me. And that's how I grew out 
you know, my business. I didn't know. I, I, I mean, it, there was, it's not selling from the heart as it is now, but I parlayed that into a very successful 29 year career in the office technology channel. And then I'm a big believer that we all have aha moments. We all have mm-hmm. aha moments in life. Yes. Um, they could be great aha moments or they could be horrible aha moments. Mm-hmm. Well, at 50 years old, I got dealt a really bad aha moment. I was fired. I was fired from a high paying corporate job. First time ever fired. Even when I was a kid in meaningless high school jobs, I always left, right? Maybe I left before I was going to get fired, (laughs) but I never was actually fired. At 50 years old, the spring of 2015, I got fired. Mm. I was coming off one of my best years I'd ever had in sales. And unfortunately, I was let go. And I had to figure out what to do. And I remember crying for days, absolutely in tears, crying for days. And then my wife, you know, like she kind of yanked me by my shirt collar, said, pull your head out of your, you know what, Mm -hmm. put your big boy pants on. Why don't you do what you did in sales and go help yourself find another job? Meaning, you know, show the love, you brought love, care and respect. Now, why don't you go back to your network and ask for help? Because in the latter part of my career, I really learned the same way that I took care of my customers face to face. I replicated that online. And I leveraged the power of social to even even deepen relationships with my clients. She goes, you already have the sense to do it. Just pick yourself up and do something. So my very first phone call, I'm kind of giving you the whole backstory on where selling from Mm -hmm. the heart is. My very first call was to Daryl Amy, who's now my podcast partner. And I've known Daryl, he's salt to the earth. I've known him for a long time. I shared with him what happened. And all I really wanted to do, Jennifer, was tap his network. Mm -hmm. And I shared with him the unfortunate things that happened. And I said, hey, who do you know who knows somebody who knows somebody that I might be able to have a conversation with? He goes, I don't know. Let me give it some thought and I'll call you back. It literally took Daryl 30 minutes. He calls me back on my cell phone and he goes, you know what? You need to go out and coach salespeople on exactly what you did in a very dysfunctional lagger channel. I go, hell no, no way, right? There's no way I'm doing this. And it was Daryl and my wife that pushed me into doing this. I had no business sense, no nothing. Never coached salespeople before because it was always me. I mean, I coached myself, but I, w- I would never coach other people. Mm-hmm. And I go, but you know what? When you get dealt aha moments, you have to learn how to deal with those aha moments. And I doubled down on myself and I doubled down on my talent. And I said, what would happen if I transformed the lives of salespeople by bringing what made me, me to the forefront? And that's what I did. I spent a year and a half traveling between the United States, Canada, and Australia coaching. I went right back into the channel that I knew, which was the office technology channel. And I just started to coach salespeople on how to leverage social, how to reposition themselves and so forth. And all of a sudden the light went off. And the light was this, that salespeople, and, and, and you, you already know me, you know me through social, I tend to speak my mind. But I, I, I'm a firm believer. I believe salespeople, sales is broken. 
and it's broken for one reason is no one wants to do the inner work. They want to chase the outer work and the shortcuts to make things happen. And they're not willing to do the inner work first. I did the inner work first because I was harder on myself than anybody else was. And I said, what would happen if I flipped the switch with salespeople and how I coach them? Instead of coaching on the tactics and all this stuff, which I believe are important, don't get me wrong, what would happen if I coached them on how to become the best versions of themselves where they could clearly articulate value, where they can share the best version of themselves, where they can connect with people better? What would happen if I did that first and the lights went off? And that's really, I didn't know at the time, that's how Selling from the Heart was born. The podcast was born in April of 2017 with no listeners, no nothing other than we had a message. And that's what I'd like for people to take away is regardless of where you're at in your careers, words matter and message matters. And I knew I had a message that I wanted to get out there and it mattered. Mm -hmm. And then the podcast goes out and becomes very successful. And then the book comes out. And in my wildest dreams, I never expected to be where I'm at today. I'm 55 years old, having the freaking time of my life, sharing why sincerity, substance, and heart in the sales profession sorely needed. And I'm just willing to say the things that need to be said. And I'm willing to address them in a way that gets people to think, whether you're a sales professional or a sales leader. Mm-hmm that it all starts inside. And if we're not willing to do the heart work, the H-E-A-R-T work, Mm -hmm. then all the other stuff, in my opinion, becomes even more difficult. And if there's ever a time where I think selling from the heart needs to be heard, it's now given the times that we're all going through, is if you look back and, and you said it, everything revolves around sales. If we have no customers, we have no business. And I'm a big believer, Jennifer, that business is personal. Mm -hmm. And the way that we treat our personal relationships, I'm challenging the business world out there. If you bring love, caring, respect, and appreciation to your personal relationships, those that are close in your inner circle, those are your friends. Why can't you do that in business? And that's the big mission. I'm just on a big mission to really bring authenticity, integrity, and substance to the sales world. I love it, man. It's beautiful. Um, And that is, in my opinion, that's the holistic approach that business needs to take because, you know, you, your mission is very much in alignment with break the ice in the sense that, you know, here ice stands for illusions covering our evolution. And, you know, your mission is to dispel those illusions in the sales industry and with an individual sales professional that these preconceived notions that they have. And these negative connotations that are out there need to be broken up, broken up and taken away and get down to the heart of the matter, which is you hit the nail on the head. Being the best best version of yourself is the only way that you're going to be able to take that your inner stability and meet the external world of your colleagues, your coworkers, your loved ones and and get in there and connect, connect on that level, because if you. If you can't do that, you're not going to have a sustainable, long-lasting relationship, and you're not going to have the, the kind of success that you want to have. No, and you know, I, I was I was willing to, I mean, I was willing to throw myself out there 
and do some of this work because I looked at this when I was younger, what do I have to lose? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer perceptions, reality. And if we look at the sales profession, I don't care what role you play in sales, what industry, what, what vertical doesn't matter. Sales has a really negative connotation and rightfully so because the sales world for decades, right. Mm -hmm. Has done it to themselves. And, and if, you know, if you sit, if you sit a group of salespeople, young salespeople, right, halfway into their careers to tenured salespeople, and you ask them this, what's the perception of salespeople out in the marketplace? Even salespeople will tell you, Jennifer, mm -hmm. all the bad things. Okay, then my, then my next thing is, how do you all want to be perceived? And then you get them to stop and think, well, the way you're going to change profession is, you know, the perception is change your inner self and how you view sales. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Just a quick story. So mm -hmm. I was coming back from Greece. This was last summer. So it would have been like June of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'll tell you, I'm a Starbucks junkie. And I had, I was just coming back the next day. I walk into my local Starbucks where they know me really well. And I go, Larry, where the hell you been? We haven't seen you for a long time. I go, I was out on business travel. Well, that was two weeks. I said, yeah. And I shared with them where I was at. What were you doing in Greece? And I said, I was working with a really large global company and they brought me in and, and I got to hang out with them for quite some time. And, and, you know, we read Selling from the Heart and we went through all this. She goes, what? This is the barista, Jennifer, but this is kind of proves the point about perception. And the barista goes, you wrote a book. How come you didn't tell us you're here all the time? I go, I don't know. Sorry. I didn't feel like I needed to tell you. She goes, well, what's the name of your book? I said, selling from the heart. She goes, what? Right. Selling from the heart. Yeah. That's just, that's just not sales. And then all of a sudden three baristas at Starbucks start just giving me all kinds of crap about their perception of sales. Wow. But I'm sharing this kind of funny story because that's the perception out in the marketplace. Yeah. Now, what would happen if you brought love, appreciation, and kindness to your clients? Now, furthermore, what happens if you ask them, what do they really want? What do they crave from salespeople? I will promise everybody who's listening to this. If you ask your customers, what do they crave? They will tell you. Oh, yeah. And if they don't, come out and say it right away until they feel comfortable, they will say things like, I want salespeople who care. I want salespeople who will listen to me. I want salespeople that respect, appreciate, have my best interest at heart, are there in good times and bad times. Yep. Yeah. But it goes against the polar grain, Jennifer, of what many in sales believe sales is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I got into sales, I stumbled into sales. I thought I was going to apply for a job like at a parts counter at a car dealership, like a clerk kind of thing. And um, halfway through the interview, I realized I'm being interviewed as a, to be a, a car salesman. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I just rolled with the interview and I got hired. And so here I am, never, ever, ever sold a day in my life. And I have to sell, you know, $50,000, $60,000 Cadillacs and General Motors products. And so um, really my only modality was basically exactly what you talked about. I was just a curious, vulnerable kind of person understanding that if I didn't connect with the client right away to understand what it is that they needed, 
I did, I wouldn't have had a leg to stand on and there was really no formal training. I mean, I had a great sales manager. Um, so I just, I just studied, you know, product knowledge, like you wouldn't believe. And I was like a little encyclopedia. So, you know, if I came across a, a customer, I, I made them understand that if, you know, they came into our car dealership, it was a, more of a small town dealership. So they were going to get me and they were going to get me a month from now if they needed mm -hmm. something. And they were going to get our service department so that for the life of their vehicle, they'd be taken care of. So at a very early stage in my career, I understood that value relationship, that long-term exchange of value in a client relationship. And so it was easy for me when I started my own business to sort of pull that same thing through. And it, it's amazing because it wasn't until I really started, you know, we'll get past the car stuff because you definitely deal with people coming onto the lot that have a horrible, horrible view of salespeople. And they would be shocked and surprised at that, just how like open and honest and like, I had no tricks, no tricks up my sleeve whatsoever. I didn't even know how to create a trick if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, then pulling that into the B2B space, it just, it really proved itself. It proved itself because when we get to the point where we have to create that relationship and understanding that it's a two-way long-term relationship of an exchange of value from one another. You're creating a sense of security and safety for that. If you can, if you can articulate that on the front end to your prospect while they're in their discovery phase, while they're in their phase of, you know, almost like speed dating, you know, courting, like what, what vendor am I going to use or who am I going to use? That's, that's where you want to start building that that permission for them and that safety, that creating that space of safety so that they understand that on the back end of things, you don't disappear. You're there for the long haul and you're, you're accountable to them, the results that you're telling that you're going to deliver. Yeah. You know, and, and here's a, here's a crazy thing. If you pull, let's say you do a one-on-one -on -one with a salesperson, right? So you take them out of a group they know in their heart that they need to be compassionate, respectful, appreciative and all that, but it's the bravado, it's the fear and it's the ego. It goes against the counterculture. But I remember this goes back as probably early on first couple of podcasts I was on. I remember somebody asking me this question, Jennifer, and this person goes in the shortest, concisest one sentence, how would you define sales? And I said, it's the art of the help. It's that simple. Yeah. And we need to be able to, as salespeople out there, help people do better business. But at the end of selling from the heart, I have a manifesto. And it's and one of the things in my manifesto is when we lead with our wallet, people smell it. Mm -hmm. But when we lead with our heart and we show that we care, they open up and they actually tell us more than if we led with our wallet. Because people smell it in two seconds. It, I mean, it's... And I always say this, this stuff's not rocket science. It's really not. I think we make it rocket science because uh, the little things, the little things that we do to build relationships and ask great questions, we tend to set aside because they're so simple. We don't think they work anymore. So then the, everybody goes out and chases all the other things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I was, I was massively cognizant of this in my early impressionable days in sales and I was never the strongest closer. Mm -hmm. 
horrible, horrible. But what I really focused in on is if I don't open up that very first meeting, that very first conversation in a way that's different, then all these other things start to fester, right? So if I'm not to say that if you don't open it up the right way, game over, it just becomes a little bit more difficult. I really focused in on how comfortable I made somebody feel when they met me, how well I connected to them, how well I related to them. And I'm a, I'm a big, big, big believer in this, that the more comfortable that you make somebody feel, the more comfortable they will share uncomfortable things. Exactly. And I learned that a long time ago. There's, or right, they know you're in sales, right? You set up an appointment, they already know that you're there to sell them something. Let's just get that one out on the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I knew that the more comfortable I made Jennifer feel, the more I connected to her, the more I related to her. I knew in my heart that, that she was going to start being more comfortable with me. Then when I started asking those questions that got her to think, she was going to share some really uncomfortable things going on in the office that she may not share with somebody else. You smell what I'm cooking? Oh, yeah. The stuff you find out when somebody actually is willing to open up. It's incredible. And you, you, that's where you are the hero. You're like you're there to rescue them. <laughs> and, 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 these are, and these are the things that salespeople just wrestle with like there's no tomorrow. So I can, do you mind if I share another story? Go ahead. So <laughs> I'm, I love my wife to death. So th this is kind of a family related story, but it proves the point on the little things. And this is what I want people to key in on, on just the simple little things. I've been happily married to my wife now for 28 years. And so um, my mother-in-law is from Oklahoma. My father, no, my mother-in-law is from Mississippi. My father-in-law is from Oklahoma. So they're about, they're both as redneck as redneck gets. Okay. And I remember I'm dating my wife. So now this is about 30 years ago. And it got to that. So it's just really funny. She, I would always pick her up without going into her house. Okay. Gotcha. And so it, after a while, so this went on for like two or three dates. And I said, hey, am I ever going to get to meet your parents? <laughs> and, you know, she rolls her eyes and does all this stuff. And she goes, yeah, there'll be a point in time. But I just want to let you know that my mom's from Mississippi and my dad's from Oklahoma. They're good old people. And they're rednecks. Okay. I go, I don't really care. Right. It's no big deal. So that day came, right. I'm meeting her parents and my wife and I hit it off. Well, my wife, she was my wife at the time. We hit it off. I mean, really well. I mean, I knew she was the one she knew I was the one. It was just, that's just how it worked. And so the time comes where we're all we're all meeting each other and so forth. And now we're sitting at the table and I can't do it. I can't do a Southern accent for my life at all, period. And I love my mother-in-law, but if she's got a sixth grade education, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, she calls me boy. Oh. She knows my name's Larry, but she says, boy, right? I'm not going to do a Southern accent. That's about yeah. it. I can do. <laughs> So I re why am I bringing this up? Because I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my wife, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, who obviously they weren't my wife, my mother-in-law and father-in-law at the time. Mm -hmm. And my, my mother-in-law goes, 
boy, I'm going to give you some advice. And I get kicked underneath the table from my wife. She goes, and she kind of whispered in my ear. She goes, just roll with it and listen to what she has to say. Right. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to get serious with my daughter, I'm going to give you a lesson that was taught to me. Now I'm early on in my sales career. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says, boy, if you can't do the little things right, you're never going to be able to do the big things right. Because she knew I was getting serious with her daughter, right? And then she said something profound. These two things forever changed my sales career. She goes, don't ever half-ass do anything. Do 100%. Yeah. Nice. Those two things I took to heart. Mm -hmm. I never skipped doing the little things. And I never half-assed did my sales career. And I just took those two things to heart and I asked a lot of questions and I parlayed that into a sales career. And then that got parlayed into selling from the heart, but the little things, there's so many people that just sidestep the little things. It's the little things in the relationships and the, the little things in how you go to market. It's the little things on how you prospect every day and make all those things non-negotiable. Exactly. And, and if you come from the very simplistic point that it's all based on, again, that value of having a long-term relationship, then from the very first piece of marketing somebody gets to the very first cold call that they get, has to have that seed planted right then and there that this is about love and intention and uh, a two-way street if it's going to be successful. Yeah. So, so here, 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 I mean, let's just think about this together for a second. If, if you stop loving, caring, respecting the people that mean the most to you, what starts to happen? That your relationship deteriorates. Your, the relationship de deteriorates. Okay, so now let's take this same philosophy to how you're a sales professional who works with your clients. When you stop loving, respecting, and caring and showing compassion for them, you stop doing the little things. What happens? We all know what happens. We all know what happens. Because it's all happened to us. If, mm -hmm. we're, if we're open and honest with everyone, yeah. it's all happened mm -hmm. to us. Sure has. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love sharing with salespeople, the sales organizations and the people that I work with. I get them to really think about this is what is it that you all sell? And it's so interesting, Jennifer, when I ask people that question, what is it that you all sell? And they always go to products or they go to all this stuff. I said, well, that's a byproduct. Mm -hmm. What is it that you actually sell? And it gets them to think, right? And it, sometimes it stumps people. And what I'm here to share with people, and it's a big part of selling from the heart, is I'm a firm believer, regardless of what you sell, that people are selling memories and experiences. The reason why salespeople struggle to really comprehend that is because what are the memories and experiences they're actually creating Yeah, yeah for their customers? Mm -hmm. Chew on that one for a moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um it's, it's such a huge part to it because, like I said, first phone call, first email, it's got the, the seed is planted then. That experience is planted then. So it has to be pulled through that entire process right in through then into the service chain. And 
as an entrepreneur who was, you know, in charge of all of those different systems in my company, I think it was such a great experience to be a salesperson first and then a business owner second, because you can apply these same principles to your employees and to your coworkers. Yeah. So if you're a leader, this same principle applies to them as well. So like for me, in my eyes, there was no difference between an employee or a client or a vendor in our company. You were all treated exactly the same, which is that relationship that this is supposed to be long-term. It's supposed to be sustainable. You know, we have an accountability to each other as well. No. So, you know, you brought up something that's near and dear to me, like the impression. It's that very first thing. So how well you connect and relate to somebody is based on that very first impression they have of you. Now, that first impression can mean many different ways now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. It's like, you know, this just use you and I as an example, right? You and mm-hmm. I connect via social because both of us had an impression on each other, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if it, was, if it wasn't a favorable first impression, you know, we may or may not have connected, but we just would have moved on, right? Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, that's absolutely fair to say. Right. So then the same thing can be said when you're a sales professional out there and you're working with your customers and you want to bring in and grow new business and things like that. How well are you connecting and relating and building, growing and nurturing those relationships with your customers? Mm -hmm. Because I believe in my heart, that's the key to your business growth. Yeah. But if you crap, if you crap on your customers, expect the same thing to happen back to you. And, but it just, it's this whole mindset thing. I'm a big believer in mindset, heart set, and skill set. Those three things. And all of those have to be in alignment. We have to be cognizant of it all the time. Yeah. And that's why that inner work is so important. If you don't have an alignment with your conscious actions and your, in your internal drivers, uh, your subconscious, you know, actions that we have every day, if those two things aren't in alignment, it's very difficult to show that consistency to the external world and to your clients and to your customers. So that's what, you know, for me, the favorite part to your book is how you focus on being the best version of yourself first, because if you can't lead yourself, you're not going to be able to lead your clients. And essentially your job as a salesperson is to be able to lead your clients. You are the guide in their journey. And if you can't properly show them the way in a very above above brow sense, it's it's not going to work. They're going to, like you said, they're going to see through it in two seconds because they're human, you know. So if you know, be confident in yourself, work on that inner growth so that you can just be exactly who you are. And if and if who you are is a, a, a caring person who wants to help another human being, um, then you will you will have that happen. If you're in it for something else, I don't know what to tell you because you're probably going to fail. Yeah, I know. I mean, so true. And by the way, thanks for keying in on 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 the book and and so forth as far as the inner work. Because when when I decided to bring selling from the heart to the forefront, Jennifer, one of the things is is I wanted to take a different approach to it. And, and it was always it was a bucket list of mine when I got married, and I told my wife this from the get go. By the time I was fifty years old, I was going to write a book. Well, it didn't. It happened shortly thereafter, three years after that. But I, I remember um, plain as day because uh, I know exactly where I was when we all agreed it was time to write a book. Daryl had hijacked me in a car, literally. And we drove from Little Rock, Arkansas to Austin, Texas. 
And it was on that road trip that he gnawed on my ear to write the book. And he goes, you got to get out of your head and put that into a book. And I go, yeah, right, whatever, right? But the longer he kept gnawing on my ear, the more I started to listen. And I said, fine, I'm going to write a book. Plus, he already knew I wanted to write a book. He just needed to poke and prod me on it. But I told Daryl, if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book that's going to pack some punch. And I'm going to say some things that people may not like, but that I know many in sales will relate to. And the reason why I wrote the first four chapters of Selling from the Heart the way I did is I look back on my whole entire sales career. I could count on one hand, not using all my fingers, how many great managers I had. I can remember a great leader that I had, but, it, but it, and that's unfortunate and it's sad. And I look back on the career that I had and I said, you know what? Even the great managers that I had never helped me nor any on my, anyone on my team become the best version of themselves. They're always focused on the outer stuff. Yeah, the numbers. They're focused on the numbers. They're focused on all the other activity. I'm not here to discredit it. It's important. But for me, when I understood what made me tick, everything else became a whole lot easier. I said, I'm going to write selling from the heart in a way that pushes the button with people to get them to realize that in order for you to succeed in sales, you have to come to grips with who you are and do that inner work. If you're willing to do that, then great things happen. I'll give you a case in point. Yeah, I know you listen to the podcast, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, you already know this. Every guest that comes on the Selling from the Heart podcast is asked the same question. What's it mean to you to sell from the heart? And we have, I mean, it is Dr. Phil moments, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because we, it's just like complete therapy for Daryl and I. Yeah. And I remember about a year ago, somebody came on the podcast and drop the bombshell of all bombshells, which just validates why you got to do the inner work. We asked this person, what's it mean to you to sell from the heart? And I'm going to paraphrase it because this went on for four or five minutes. This person said, it's hard to sell from the heart when your heart is broken. Yeah. Mm. Dead silence mm. on the podcast. Mm. Oh man, that's wild. And that's pretty heavy stuff, Jennifer. Yeah, it, it is really heavy. Um, it just reminds me of like a post I did the other day, which was, you know, I'd rather have a heart that can be pierced than one that is so calloused it no longer feels. Yeah. And so it's that whole idea of, again, coming, circling back to the inner work. If, if that's, if you have a broken heart, um, then you've got to figure out a way to get that heart mended back together and quickly. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to cast dark shadows on anybody or anything right. like that, but I, I am here to say that if we get real with ourselves for a moment, if your listeners get real as they're listening to this, we all have baggage in the closet. Right now, I'm going to date myself when I say this, but that's okay. There's no Ozzy and Harriet Nelsons floating around anymore. And for those that don't know who Ozzy and Harriet Nelson are, just go put it into Google. You sure find out it's Leave it to Beaver family, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and But I say this with all sincerity, though, mm -hmm. is the sins of our past, the troubles in our past prevent us from becoming the best versions of ourselves. We hide it and we mask it. And that's why I talk a lot in chapter 10 about empty suits and I poke fun at it and all that. 
I said, you know, Rolex watches and Armani suits don't make the individual. That masks your insecurities. It does. That's why I drive around in a freaking car that's 12 years old. I don't care, right? I'm secure with who I am. And that's what I want salespeople to realize is when they feel confident, and, and that brings up another point. If we look at the situation that we've all been dealt with for most of 2020 as we're recording this so far on this podcast, is people's confidence has been rocked. And it's happened in the sales world, right? So, you know, right now is if you start doing the inner work, your confidence is going to increase. The more that happens, the believability in yourself increases and the more you have self-worth and that starts to increase. Those are all the, the soft skills. And the whole point behind selling from the heart is, you know what? We work so much on the hard skills, right? All these things, we all know about it. All your listeners know what the hard skills are. Nobody wants to tackle the mushy, gushy, soft skills. Yeah. And that's the stuff we run away from and shy away from. And I'm yeah, saying, hey, listen, if you want a long, successful career in sales and you want to outlast all the other empty suits that are out there, get reacquainted with yourself, capture your heart and go do that with your clients and great things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you had a guest on, I don't know a little while back and it was one of my favorite episodes to this day. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like a little, like, like a bulldog. Like he was just like, you know, you have to be ferocious and like all this like crazy energy that he was bringing to the show. And I remember one thing that he said, and he said, I don't leave success on the table. And that really struck a chord. It was Brandon Steiner. Brandon's that's who it was yeah Yeah. and like literally one of my favorite episodes to this day because it was just like man he gets it like if if you don't do what we're talking about then you are going to be leaving success on the table because you're not exploring the whole you're not exploring the total package the total viewpoint of it all and that absolutely it's you know if you're stunting your own growth because you're you're too afraid to do the work or you're too lazy to do the work Um, then you are leaving success on the table. So deepen the commitment with yourself to deepen the commitment with your relationships and deepen the commitment ultimately um, to your bank account. I guess if we want to circle it right back to, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have that, at least that kind of success. Yeah. So, I I mean, I I think Brandon Steiner is freaking rock star. That that was, that was a brilliant Uh, freaking episode, by the way. I I listened to that dude speak Jennifer all freaking day long and not get rid of it. Yeah, he, it caught me off guard. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is kind of shaking up the day. Um, this, this, you had to see, you had to be smart enough to understand what he was talking about um, because at first glance, this guy sounds like a jerk. Um, but no, the complete opposite of that, really. He was, saying, he was just so ultimately passionate about being a winner on the, in the game. Yeah, you know, it, in, in, um, you know, to, to layer on top of that, how many times in sales have we been guilty of saying, or we've heard this expression before, right? It's not personal. It's only business. How many, okay, let's be real. How many times has that been said? Yeah. A ton of times. And I flip it around. I said, you know what? Business is personal. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, mark my word, business is personal. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what's so interesting about your book and about your podcast is it's very relevant. It's so cutting edge, even though you learn this stuff, you know, 
20 years ago or 30 years ago, it's now more than ever so relevant. It's a timeless factor to it. So the simplistic, timeless nature of these principles is what needs that flashlight has to be shined back on them because that's what's going to bring things back around. And what's cool now too, is like you talk about how, you know, you've had these experiences where you, you can count how many great sales managers you've had on like one hand. And now in today's day and age, we are capable of self-driven education. So we can be a, a young entrepreneur or a sales professional and they can hear your podcast. They can read your book. Um, these tools are now available if you want to do the work yourself and have that self-drive, then relying on it inside your workplace. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, they're, they're really, and I talk about, you know, growth mindset and no excuse mentality and selling from the heart. And just, and just to play off of what you just said is I always tell people this, right? If you want to grow, the more you know, the more you grow, Right the more you learn, the more you earn. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Now, if we parlayed that back into how salespeople work with their customers, if you take what I just said and you go and you apply it to your customers, that's why I said this stuff's not frigging rocket science. Mm -hmm. The more you know about your customers, the more you'll grow with your customers. The more you learn from your customers, the more you'll earn from your customers. It's that simple. It really is. And I'm all about business made simple, business that is simple scales, business that is simple thrives and sustains and business that is simple ultimately is very adaptable. Yeah. And, and, and it's so it's so funny. I always tell people this because I've been called out on the carpet on my book a time or two. And I, I remember I'll tell you a quick funny story is I'm about chapter three or four into writing selling from the heart. I've saved the whole message inside LinkedIn. I, re, I go back to it all the time because that's what lights my fire. And I remember Daryl saying, hey, you know what? You got to prep yourself for any backlash or any negative press you may get around your book because it could happen, right? You're throwing yourself out there. Mm. Uh, and so as I'm writing, selling from the heart, I'm dripping it out on social to build an audience and I'm engaging around it and so forth. And I get somebody to ask me to connect on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So I accepted it. And like I do with every invitation, every exception, I, I, I write them back a pleasantry, right? Hey, thanks mm -hmm. for thinking of me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm always here to be a resource. Well, I did that. This person fires back. And I'm condensing this for the time's sake. But this person goes, hey, I want to know the case studies and the research you've put into writing your book. Okay, so right away, this person's poking at me. So I go, right, and I said a few choice words mentally to myself. And I said, hey, listen, right? I don't have a PhD in psychology. I don't have a PhD in human behavior. Heck, I don't even have a master's degree. I'm just a stupid old sales guy, right? But I will tell you this, I earned a PhD from getting the crap kicked out of me selling copiers in Los Angeles my whole life. I'm bringing a street level practitioner's approach to sales and authenticity and heart. And fast forward, this person leaves me with this. He goes, I could buy into that as long as you're not deceiving the readers. Yep, sure. And I go, what? Right? 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, there's so many people that have written books around EQ, EI, authenticity, mm-hmm. heart. Are they connected to it or they've capitalized on writing about it? I said, well, you're just going to have to find out if you ever decide to buy the book. That was my parting ways. Well, fast forward about a month after my book comes out, I'm on Twitter and I'm scrolling through my feed and I see this person tweeting out parts of my book. And there are parts of my book where they're deep into the book, which means this person bought the book. Yeah, sure. And so I sent that person a message. This person goes, I've been waiting to talk to you. Here's my cell phone number. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Guy's, awesome. guy's name is still locked in my cell phone. He still promotes my stuff out. He said, I get why you wrote that book. And I applaud you for it. And then probably still to this day, a couple times a month, he tweets out parts of my book. Oh, that's awesome. But I I, I share this because in full disclosure, I don't have a master's or doctorate in anything. Mm -hmm. I have a PhD in real world applications based on bringing love, care, respect to the sales world and to my clients. And that's how I work with my clients still to this day. I love it. Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. Um, Absolutely. I, I certainly don't have a PhD or anything like that. I don't have an MBA and Yet I was able to build and scale a company and eventually sell my partnership off. Yeah. And, and again, just all through being super honest with everybody around me, working hard and self-driven education. So, you know, I can say 20 years of reading books on leadership and applying those principles and testing them out, listening to podcasts and reading books on sales and testing out some new methodologies or some different ways of thinking or just those little tidbits that you get that you're like, Ooh, that's kind of a different perspective Yeah, and going out and trying it. And eventually you, you come out with what's, what works and you can share that knowledge and that experience with other people. And that's all it is. You're sharing. So other people can get the same benefits that you realized, you know, and that you can put together for people and share that. And that's, that's huge. That's well, it, amazing. It's so good. Cause it's a simple Dr. Seuss moment, right? Sharing's caring. So <laughs> sharing is caring, but it is though, because it takes a certain amount of effort to say, I'm going to curate a message that I think is going to help people. Yeah. Um, you know, my motivation for social media is really just, you know, I mean, now it's a little bit more directed towards some content rich stuff to drive some edu- like drive some traffic, but in, in and of itself, and especially started out just with that intention of, wanting to educate others, encourage others and inspire others because otherwise it's just boring to me. It's really boring. I don't really care. <laughs> oh, that's, that's get to stuff that actually means something and counts. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, all right. Well, we're coming up on the time here. So you answered a question earlier, which was moments of clarity, which I call switch moments. <laughs> and when you, you, yeah, you, you dove right into that probably five minutes into the conversation. So that was perfect. I didn't have to ask that because yeah, because switch moments are those moments we have with oh. clarity. And when we have those points of clarity, it usually inspires us to take some kind of action based on it. And you did that. Uh, and actually, you know, you've articulated very much your conviction. And that's usually my last question that I ask my guests is right now uh, on planet earth in this day, in this moment, what's your ultimate conviction, your ultimate focus around that conviction. And I, if you would like to add to that, you can. Um, 
I think we've got a good idea of what it is. <laughs> you think so, Jennifer? I, I think it's kind of an obvious one now. No, yeah. Um, I, I just want to. I, I, I mean, obviously, your listeners already know what I'm convicted about. It's bringing selling from the heart to the forefront, and and I want everyone to key in and, and why I really say words matter and message matters, and you sincerely have to believe the message that you're delivering out there. You got to deliver with passion. You got to deliver with purpose. You got to be, you know, you have to deliver it and you have to have pride. And so I've pa- I packaged all this up in every day. I love this stuff. I, I, I mean, my whole mission in life is to bring selling from the heart to the sales world. That's what I'm deeply convicted about, that if we just brought sincerity, substance and heart to the forefront, it will immediately set you apart from everybody else. And that's my whole mission. My whole goal is to bring authenticity, place it up on a big silver business platter, fill it with integrity, fill it with love, respect and care and watch what happens. That's what that's that's really how the whole selling from the heart movement started. And I'm and I'm I'm willing to say the things that need to be said that people dodge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the ticket right there. That's what breaks the ice you know, is asking the questions, being able to, to create a space for that open connection. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, know, I'll just, I'll leave you with this. I'm a, there's I'm a big, huge Simon Sinek junkie. I start with why I've read dozens of times Mm -hmm. and I love getting his little message that, that gets sent to me every day. I just, some people may not agree with it. Right. Just like some people may not agree with my message. But I remember one time I was watching a Simon Sinek and Ken Blanchard. They were sitting in these high back chairs and it was kind of like a Ted talk esque setting, but it really wasn't a Ted talk. And Simon Sinek said something profound. I'm going to paraphrase it. But he said that if you want people to believe in you, you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to believe your message. You have to deliver your message with clarity, with conviction and you got to be concise with it. Yeah. And that's my challenge. And that's what I'm bringing out to the sales world is, hey, listen, if you don't believe in your message and you're going through the motions, no one's going to believe in you. Work on who you are. Work on your message. Believe your message. Deliver it with clarity, with conciseness and with conviction. And watch what happens as people listen to your message. Simple as that. Yeah. And I think too, also just that being that super, super transparent and super honest. So like, if you, like, this is something I've learned along the way that's really helped my relationship with my clients. If I knew something was going to get screwed up or I overcommitted, right. Or I, I kind of overdid something and, oh, oh no, I'm not going to be able to fulfill this the way I wanted to fulfill it. Jumping the gun and getting in ahead of time and being super honest with them. Hey, look, I dropped the ball a little bit. This is something that we're going to have to roll back and change. Like, I apologize, but here's my new commitment going forward. Or here's the new design that I'm going to do for you after the fact. That right there is another option. It's another opportunity. So there's so many opportunities that come up where you can create that space. And a lot of times people fear that there's these repercussions. And so they try avoiding instead of meeting something head on. So that kind of goes along with that simplistic part of having the commitment so that you are not afraid to come at it head on. That's part of the commitment factor. 
That's so good. And yeah. Yeah. And for you too, like in your book, like one of my favorite things was if, if you, if you're not investing in yourself, why is someone else interested in investing in you? Yeah, exactly. So again, again, opportunities to let your clients know you're still learning and you're out there investigating for them. So they don't have to, you know, that's a sign of a true professional yep. is professional, professional education. And I have no problem sharing that. I never had any problem sharing that with my clients because then they're going to see, Oh, okay. So she's already doing the things that, you know, is necessary and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Anyways, this has been an awesome. Oh, my pleasure. You know, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I'm so excited to be able to share this now with the world and help promote selling from the heart because I believe in it hundred percent. And I think you're making the world a better place. No, thank you, Jennifer. This was awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. All right. We will see you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, friends. That was some ice breaking tools right there for you. Now, my ask is that you go create some space for yourself. Think about what resonated with you during that episode and go see how you can apply it in your own life. Or please at least go share it with the world. Thank you as always. Feel free to stop on by www.breaktheiceco.com and subscribe to get updates and all kinds of freebie giveaways. Thank you all. Love you all. Bye.